Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am like most people in that I don't really like change very much, and yet I'm also kind of aware because of the job that I do, giving opinions for a living on a show like this, it is not a very interesting opinion just to be against change for change's sake. That's probably not something you necessarily want to do so when we're thinking about the things in college football we're forced to confront that are different it's important I think for someone like me to look past the obvious idea of I'm not really quite so sure different is better it's sometimes more important to look a little bit deeper than that and try to find a different angle on that because to be honest with you you know some of the changes that take place in college football aren't always what I would say improvements and I'm in this case not talking about transfer portal or NIL although in some respects that's probably a conversation worth having What I'm actually talking about here is when you want to go back a couple of years ago when it was first announced that the SEC was going to be adding Texas and Oklahoma, I wasn't very excited about it. And what was interesting to me is is that not only was I not very excited about it, most of you that I heard from weren't very excited about it there as well. And that's a very interesting thing to consider considering the fact that most of us in some form or fashion have like some SEC pride. Now, that's not to say that everybody's like SEC, SEC, chanting that all the time. But there is some thought of, hey, Georgia is the best team and the best conference, and that kind of means something, and that's sort of cool. And the SEC doing what it can do, what it needs to do, to stay on top as the biggest and best team in the land, that's generally speaking probably a pretty good thing. So there's this sense of SEC pride that exists. The SEC put forth this like incredibly aggressive like land grab to bring in Texas and Oklahoma. And yet the feeling that we got, I remember this so vividly from that summer when all this came out, the feeling that we got was, are we sure this is what we should be doing? We, meaning those of us who kind of think of ourselves as a part of the you know, stakeholders of the SEC, are we sure this is what you know should be going on here? This sure does feel awful different from what we've been used to in the past. And for a long time, that's the sort of way that I viewed that. Now, total confession, I'm actually still not quite so sure Texas and Oklahoma being in the SEC are actually better for the SEC. But at this point in time, that's probably not a conversation worth happening anymore uh, or worth having anymore. This is going to happen nonetheless, and it's actually happening right now for all intents and purposes with due respect to the other sports. Oklahoma and Texas are essentially in the SEC here right now. And because of that, and because of the expanded playoff, I think we're actually moving into a situation here in this new year where this could really be like the most fun year yet for Georgia football. And, you know, I I guess that's my point of kind of discussing this with you here today is making peace with the fact that the SEC looks really different and trying to embrace all the things with the new playoff format, which are actually pretty easy for me to embrace. I think it's going to be an improvement, the 12-team playoff format. But all of this speaks to a lot of enthusiasm and excitement and energy that I have about this new year. And I want to kind of chronicle a couple of those reasons here for a moment. Now, I am certainly not happy that Georgia, you know, fell short of winning this year's national championship. Obviously, that's not a good thing. We clearly wanted to see Georgia go for three and 23. But because Georgia did come close and fell just a little bit short because we believe that Georgia had a pretty strong argument to still be included as one of the four best teams in America because of all of that. 
I do think one of the things that's going to be really fascinating about this upcoming year is seeing how Georgia responds to the cards that it has been dealt. And I can't help but go back a long time ago and think about something that Kirby Smart said, you know, way back after probably the first truly disappointing loss in his tenure as Georgia coach when Georgia miraculously fought all the way to the national championship game at the conclusion of the 2017 season. Seemed like Georgia would likely win the game and came up a little bit short. And if we're being honest there at the time, and this is one of those things that's probably not quite so easy to necessarily describe in the moment, but looking back, it seems obviously that it's true. If we're being obvi- you know, honest at the moment, when you look back on Georgia falling just a little bit short in that national championship game in 2017, those of us who had lived our entire life as Georgia fans with no living memory of a national championship, I think some of us probably wondered, wait, is this as close as we're going to get? Because it is as close as we had been the entire time a lot of us had been alive. Is this as close as we're going to get? And so when Kirby Smart, on the heels of that very disappointing loss, said what he said there on that night, it was a statement that has proved to be prophetic. We couldn't have known that then. But here's a reminder of just how strong a believer that Kirby Smart remained in his program, even after a heartbreaking loss there at the conclusion of the 2017 season. Kirby Smart from Atlanta that night. We told our team that this game wouldn't be decided by past traditions or or anything else. It was going to be decided by performances that were happening on the field. And our guys performed on the field, competed. You know, I, I can't say enough about the remarkable senior class. These two young men sitting, sitting next to me, they meant more to Georgia than yards. A lot of heart and soul, a lot of fire. Sonny Michelle came over and talked to the group several times during the game, inspired those guys. But in overtime, we didn't finish when we had to, and Alabama did. And to give them credit. But I think everybody can see that Georgia's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm very proud of this team and this university, and we're not going anywhere. First of all, you know, around here we mostly play audio clips, not video. But even just listening to that, doesn't Kirby just sound so much younger in, in hearing that? Doesn't he sound a little bit more emotional uh, like a coach who is just sort of starting his coaching career as to someone where he is now really on top of the profession? You can just hear it in his voice. He just sounds different sounds younger sounds frankly more deflated by the loss because of the fact that that was his first crack at winning a national championship but he also says we're going to be a force to be reckoned with we're not going anywhere and that proved to be really true that Georgia would stay on the you know the contender stage for years after that breaking through and beating that same Alabama team in 2021 coming back and winning the national championship again in 2022 you know all of that but it's the prophecy so to speak not to make it sound too serious but it's like the prophecy that Kirby put forth at the end of that 2017 game that sort of feels like it has come true in all those years since then and here we are sitting here one more time with kind of the same type of deal in front of us and this is one of the things to kind of go back to the topic at hand here today why I believe that 2024 is going to be so interesting so much fun because the same way we saw Georgia prove Kirby right when he said Georgia's not going anywhere after the heartbreak of the 2017 national championship loss now there's also another opportunity to kind of bounce back and for Georgia to show what it's all about after a loss and if you don't mind I want to go back to something that Kirby said it was captured by the SEC network uh, in the locker room this wasn't a media conversation this wasn't meant for fans this was just something that was allowed to be shared by the SEC network now we've all seen it 
But the same way that Georgia proved Kirby right when he said, we're still going to be a force to be reckoned with. We're not going anywhere. You're going to have to deal with us for a long time to come. Just the same way that future Georgia teams proved Kirby right when he said that. Now, this Georgia team in 2024 has a chance to prove Kirby right based on what he said back in December. And I think that should get you energized and fired up for this upcoming year. Let's hear Kirby again as a reminder of that. Man, I love this team so much. This team's got a lot of fight in it, okay? A lot of fight in it. And did a lot of good things in this game, okay? We made too many mistakes to deserve to win. I love this team. I don't know what's going to happen, and nobody knows what's going to happen. The only thing we control is what we're going to do moving forward. You guys are fighters. You're competitors. Look what you just did. Look what you've accomplished. And we didn't finish it. And we'll finish this thing the right way. I love the men in this room. And when you lose games, here's what you do. You don't look to point the finger outward. You say, what can I do? What could have I done better, Nas? What could have I done better, Carson? What could have I done better, David? Everybody, including me, including me, we don't ever fracture here. Composure, toughness, resiliency, and what else? Connection. Y'all hear me? It's got to mean something to you. It can't just mean something to you when you win. Keep your head up, okay? I love every one of you guys. Remember, connection and family goes on past a loss. I'm proud as hell of you, man. I love every one of you. I'll do anything for you the rest of your life, and we're not done yet, okay? We are not done yet, Kirby Smart said after a heartbreaking loss in December of the SEC Championship. We get you so fired up. You know, a locker room like that, it just seems like one of the most intense places you could possibly be in. And obviously, Georgia's already proven Kirby somewhat right in that statement because Georgia did finish that 2023 season the right way. They went out and beat Florida State by 10 touchdowns. So from that standpoint, they were clearly kind of buying into the idea that the connection that the Georgia team and coaches and players have with each other wasn't going to be fractured by just one loss. But that's obviously about more than just an Orange Bowl win. That's also about how you carry that into the 2024 season. We get a chance to watch this to see what is Georgia's response to a loss? What is Georgia's response to the idea that it's 29-game win winning streak was no more and they've now started I guess a what a one game winning streak now but where does Georgia go from all of that and to leave you with kind of one final thought on this topic here for a moment I'll say it this way when you hear the sound of Kirby's voice like it sounded in December the intensity there and when you go back and hear that it was still a similar type of thing even way back in January of 2018 when Georgia lost that national championship game to Alabama I think what you get the sense is is that Kirby Smart has the full and appropriate appreciation for just how hard it is to win at the highest level in college football at the SEC level. In fact, not only does he recognize and appreciate it, I think he kind of craves that because if you are good, you want things to be hard because the harder they are, the better you can prove yourself to be. And I think as you kind of move into a 2024 season where the sport is just harder it's harder to keep the players in your roster but you're also playing more difficult teams in the regular season the expanded SEC adding in Texas and Oklahoma just makes the league more difficult moving to the playoff all of a sudden now you've got a quarterfinal round some teams will have to play a round even prior to that it's a longer college football playoff it's harder to win that too in some cases it may even be harder to make the playoff even though it's expanded because of the number of losses that most of the contending teams are going to um, you know they're just going to be taking more losses but if you're good you want it to be hard because the harder it is the better you can prove yourself to be and this also goes back to something that Kirby Smart's been talking about and looking ahead to for years you remember back when Georgia first started scheduling some of these non-conference home and home series now some of those 
we ha- we're not getting to see. Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma in 2023, didn't get to do that, and who knows how many of these we'll see moving into the future. But the philosophy that existed for why Georgia wanted to play those games is every bit as true now as it was then when it comes to playing more difficult SEC games and more college football playoff level games. And the notion that you will have to battle tough teams and prove yourself against tough competition if you want to emerge a champion. And nothing ought to make you excited for the college football season that's to come more so than this. That for those of you that didn't see Georgia play enough big games here in 2023, you're about to see Georgia play a whole lot more of those in 2024. And the notion of a really tough, challenging schedule that proves who the best truly is, this is something that Kirby Smart's been talking about for years. I'm thinking that to get in the playoffs as the future goes, I don't know whether they'll ever expand it. That's not for me to even kind of divulge on. But I, I do think that you're going to need a quality of schedule to do that. I think that there's going to be two lost teams in the future if they've got a really tough schedule that will be able to make that. Um, I also think at the University of Georgia, you, you should be able to recruit the finest, best players in the country out of your own state and across the country because our academic institution is so highly thought of. So I want to have the best players. I want to play the best teams. Kids come to college to play big games. They don't come to play, I would never name anybody, but they don't come to play anybody, the Sisters of the Poor. They want to play the best teams. So we want to go schedule the best teams. The best players playing the best teams in the biggest games. That's what Kirby Smart said years ago he wanted Georgia to be. That's what the 2024 season is going to be all about. Georgia with a chip on its shoulder, ready to prove that it's not going anywhere still, even after all these years. And it does have unfinished business, as Carson Beck told us yesterday, and Kirby Smart sort of reiterated right there. Against a schedule unlike anything we've ever seen the Dogs play, and a playoff format that I think is remarkable in terms of its improvement over the previous model. All of that in store for the upcoming year. And frankly, I cannot wait for this fall to get here. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., normally across all platforms, coming soon from a brand-new studio. We're excited about that. 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcast, world-famous dognation.com, and everywhere else. Just so happy to have you as a part of our program here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia who make it all possible for you here, there as well. Foundation waterproofing issues, that is what Engineered Solutions of Georgia is all about. You see the signs of this. When it rains, you get a little nervous because you know water's coming in where it's not supposed to be or you see evidence that it has been where it's not supposed to be. That should be a trigger in your mind to give our friends at ESOG a call. Same thing for those cracks. Sometimes it's the outside of your house sort of looks like stair steps on the brick or it's the inside sheetrock kind of a 45 degree angle type thing going on there once again that's a sign that things are perhaps not what they should be and that's why you want our friends from engineered solutions of georgia on the case for you because they've got an entire team of engineers on staff ready to do great work for you that's what they're all about nobody else in our marketplace has that level of expertise that level of knowledge ready to go to work to solve your problems that's why engineered solutions of georgia has the name that it does engineered in the name they've got engineers uh solution is in the name they've got solution uh, solution for your problems they really view themselves as a solutions oriented company that is what they're all about so i want you to give them a call number super easy to remember simply dial 678 esog now 678 esog now you already know this but our friends 
at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partners of UGA Athletics. It's fun to support those that support the dogs, and they have been longtime loyal friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily as well, and that means the world to me. It really does. And your support of Engineered Solutions of Georgia because of that means the world to me too. So give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW, Engineered Solutions of Georgia, a solution to your foundation and your waterproofing problems. All right, we've got Connor Riley here coming up in just a moment. Uh, That is going to be a really fun conversation and a quick update as well on a big event we've got going on right now at dognation.com. We'll tell you about that. But prior to that, around the doghouse here today, I want to go back in time. Speaking of Kirby Smart, who we just spoke about earlier, when Smart was on the Atlanta radio station 92.9 The Game the other day, one of the things that came up was the brief and very strange pursuit of uh, Jaden uh, Maivia. We talked about that on the show here, at, obviously, you know, during the time that good quarterback coming to Georgia, then he's not, and, you know, kind of there and back and gone. And, you know, Kirby had kind of said, hey, listen, you're just sort of, you know, not surprised by anything. You just sort of take it as it comes in this particular case. But there was another part of that answer when Smart was on the Atlanta radio station the other day that I want to focus in on here for a moment there too because Smart did give you a little bit of details about how the game in Miami, the Orange Bowl against Florida State, provided an opportunity to see a little bit more of what, you know, maybe Gunnar Stockton's all about. We saw him during the games. Georgia saw Ryan Puglisi during practice. And when you think about storylines for us to really be observing here moving forward, what Georgia is at the quarterback position beyond Carson Beck, really important part of that. So the context of the question is the fact that Jaden Maivia changed his mind about coming to Georgia but the truth of the matter is, when you think about Puglisi and when you think about Stockton, Georgia could be well-stocked, no pun intended, when it comes to its backup quarterbacks. This is Kirby from 92.9 The Game talking about that the other day. So, uh, with the flow. You know, it's who can adapt best. It's uh, um, take the information you're given, take the, the, the opportunity to get players that you're given and make the most of it, and that's what we've done. So, I'm very pleased and confident. I thought Puglisi had a great uh, set of uh, bowl practices. We got to see him firsthand and go out and be the the quarterback against uh, the defense. So I got to watch him throw and do things. I thought Gunner got valuable experience in terms of being able to get in the game and go play, and uh, that's big. So yeah. you're always looking to have some depth in that room. The word I've used a lot lately about the Georgia quarterback situation is sensible. It just seems like it seems like things at Georgia have gotten more sensible with quarterbacks in recent years. The veteran gives way to the next guy in line. That guy gives way to the next guy in line. And perhaps the next man up for Georgia is Gunnar Stockton. Now, Ryan Puglisi, we believe, has a bright future, too. But for Stockton, more of that future could be now. It was the backup role in 2022 that allowed Carson Beck to get some of the experience that made him the guy that could be a capable starter for Georgia this past season. And now it could be Stockton's turn to do that. And that's before you even get to the idea that at some point in time, Georgia may need to think about a backup quarterback in a game because a starter gets injured. We don't want to put that in the atmosphere necessarily, but that's just a fact of life in the SEC. Starting quarterbacks sometimes do get hurt, even if it's just for a brief period of time. So Stockton could be a big deal for Georgia. We're not too far away from spring practice, believe it or not. Within a few weeks, it's kind of upon us. And when it is here, as much as we're watching Carson back and for what he can be in his final year at Georgia, We'll be watching Gunnar Stockton close, too, for what he can do to take the next step, to perhaps be the next in line, to be the starting quarterback here at UGA as well. We've said now for a long time that no matter who else would have been in this you know quarterback room at Georgia, whether it was Dylan Raiola or briefly considering it might be Jade Maivia or anybody else, that when it comes to a future starting role at UGA, Gunnar Stockton's going to be, we believe, pretty tough to beat out. And his chance to put that on display begins as soon as this spring. And 
I would say we're very much looking forward to watching all of that and how it plays out. Something else we're looking forward to as well, that's the Dog Nation Cruise coming up in April. And right now, we want you to know, courtesy of our friends at Kroger, you've got a chance to enter for your chance to win your way onto the Dog Nation Cruise. You and a guest, it's a stateroom for two, but it's also a hotel there in Port Canaveral area the night before the cruise, a gas card to kind of help you with some of the uh, travel on your way down to Port Canaveral, some onboard credits to enjoy while you're on the ship. This is a really fun giveaway. We had a great time last year with some really cool winners of this, and we'd love for you to have a chance to be that here this year. Now, if you're already on board the Dog Nation Cruise, you can still register for your chance to win, and if you do win, you'll just simply have your cruise kind of credited back to you there. So that will be uh, a really cool thing. Thing. But for those of you who've been saying, hey, I'd love to be on board, not sure I can swing that, well, Kroger wants to give you a chance to win your way on board here. And a lucky winner and a guest are going to get a chance to do just that. Now, registration remains open between now and January 31st. So you've got to act right now to get involved on this. Go to dognation.com, click the link, simply give us your information. And we're also going to ask you to give us your favorite Brock Bowers moment here during his Georgia career, obviously the all-time great coming to an end here. Looking back on the career of Bowers, your favorite memory from Brock there on that. And then of all the submissions we get, someone's going to be drawn at random. That's going to be our winner between now and January 31st to get involved on all of that. That's going to be a great time. All right, we're going to continue our preview of the rest of the SEC coming up here in a little bit. Also, how about the fun of Kaylee's Corner? We debuted that yesterday. That was a lot of fun. We'll do some more of that here coming up in just a little bit too. But for now on what is going on with these Georgia Bulldogs as they roll through the 2024 calendar year. Let's talk to Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, here today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, happy to have Connor Riley in the program here today looking at Kind of a snapshot of where things stand with Georgia as you kind of move towards what's supposed to be the offseason. We haven't quite gotten to what feels like an offseason yet, but eventually we feel like we will be there. So kind of a nice time to sort of take a little snapshot on all of that. Connor, I appreciate your time as we do that. And we've obviously seen Georgia sort of show up and kind of, you know, number one ranking in some of these way too early top 25s that have been coming out. And we've had our fun with that around here, but also kind of looking at some of the issues that perhaps – could stand in Georgia's way as it tries to get back on top of the national championship mountain once again. And I've sort of centered on three of those here over the course of the last couple of days. I wanted to focus with you on those here for a moment. I think first and foremost for me, it's the schedule. What do you think about when you see Georgia sort of a consensus early number one for the new year? And yet, I think you and I would both say on paper, this is the toughest schedule that Georgia has perhaps ever played as a football team. How do you reconcile those two things right now? I think the, the two things are, one, even more specifically at this schedule, it's the road games that I think are so, that make the schedule so difficult next year. At Kentucky, who could be a top 25 team. At Alabama, is obviously going to be a tough game. At Texas, who was a playoff team this year. And then at Ole Miss, a team a lot of people like as a potential playoff sleeper. If you go... Three and one in those games, you're probably going to end up making the playoff pretty comfortably. If you go two and two, it might be a little dicey. But I think with that schedule, again, it requires you to win all your road games. It requires you to to beat Clemson and Atlanta. 
and then try and navigate those tricky road games. Now, as good as Alabama is still going to be next season, you know, not having Nick Saban on the other sideline makes that game a little more winnable in my mind, but that's still a tough place to go and play and win at in Bryant Denny Stadium. And then Texas, I mean, well, it's a Texas team that they just go out and grabbed Isaiah Bond, they grabbed Andrew Makuba uh, out of Clemson. Yeah, they're losing a lot on the defensive line and the uh, the wide receiver position, but by the time they play Georgia in the middle of the season, they'll have a pretty good idea of what team they are, and you're kind of hoping if you're Georgia, maybe you were playing them at the beginning of the season rather than at the middle point where they are going to have some time to get their feet under them a little bit. So I, I think it'll be really interesting with that schedule next year how Georgia goes about navigating it. Uh, there are some trickier parts than others. I think the three games uh, at Texas, you obviously then have the bye week, Florida and Jacksonville, and at Ole Miss. That stretch is probably really defining how this Georgia season turns out. If you go 3-0, and great, fantastic. You're in the playoff and probably looking at a top-four seed. If you go 2-1, and you're still probably in the playoff, and then you have to obviously win the SEC championship to, to get that top-four seed, but you might not be the number-one seed. And then if you go one and two of those games, you're, you might be sweating a little bit more than you would like to down the stretch of the season in hopes of getting into the college football playoff. So my first issue standing in Georgia's way was the schedule, as we just discussed. My second issue is the need to replace the, the statistical production of Brock Bowers. How well positioned do you think Georgia is to be able to do that? I think they're going to have the options at wide receiver. Uh, you know, Dominic Lovett is a guy that had a productive season, maybe not as productive as everyone like would have liked or preferred him coming in. I think Dylan Bell is primed to have a very big season for Georgia next year. I think the big thing to keep in mind here, and yes, Carson had a great season this past year, 3,900 passing yards. I think if he gets better, that's going to make things a little bit easier in terms of replacing Brock. Uh, now, obviously, losing wide receiver or receiver production in general is usually not a great thing. It's one of the harder things to replicate and when you see teams take a step back. In large part, it's because they don't have return, strong wide receiver returning production, but Georgia went out, they were aggressive in the transfer portal, they added Colby Young, they added Michael Jackson, they added London Humphreys. You're probably going to need one of those guys to pop and be a real contributor next year. You need Ra-Ra Thomas to be able to stay healthy and recover from the foot injury that I think was pretty bad there at the end of the season. And you need guys like Oscar Delp and Trevor Etienne to take big steps forward for this team. And so they have options. There might not be right now a clear-cut dominant player in the way that Brock was or maybe even the way that Ladd was a season ago. But I think with Carson taking a step forward in his development, I do think that that's going to help ease the burden of having to go out and replace Brock Bowers. And then my final of the three issues that I've talked about over the last few days is the need to be more dynamic along the defensive line, something I know that you and I both have discussed together. Do you think the raw materials are in place for Georgia to build a defensive line doesn't necessarily match the first-round firepower the 2021 defensive line had, but just kind of reminiscent of that style of play or perhaps some of what we saw in 2022. Are the pieces in place, you think, to be able to do that in 2024? I think so, and when it comes to the defense, I'm more interested in seeing how Glenn Schumann uses this year and how mm -hmm. he grows this year because uh, you know, at the time we're recording this, we don't really know 100% what's the latest with uh, Traveris Robinson, right. but... We do know that Will Muschamp is probably going to be staying in that analyst role regardless of what happens there. And the honeymoon period is kind of over for Glenn Schumann. I know he's only, Georgia's only lost one game since he became the full-time defensive coordinator, but I don't know how you look at what Michigan did to, to Jalen Milrow and then compare that to how Georgia chose to attack them and not see that as a mistake. And, and you know, you and I have talked about this before, 
Uh, yes, Georgia didn't have the personnel this year that I think they did on the defensive line in years past. But other than Dan Lanning, this Georgia defense hasn't been aggressive or as aggressive in a way in terms of creating sacks, creating tackles for loss, either since Lanning has been here or, or without him. And, and so I think moving forward, how does this Georgia defense find ways to be more aggressive? Yes, having personnel, having guys like Michael Williams, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, Christian Miller take steps forward, getting more out of that outside linebacker position, whether it is Jalen Walker or someone like Damon Wilson. But some of this, too, I think has to come from the scheme standpoint. And you want to see Georgia be more aggressive. You know, C.J. Allen, Small Monday, and Raylan Wilson be aggressive blitzers there. I think that's the thing for me, more so than the defensive line and individual players stepping up, trying to become like a Jalen Carter-type figure. It's what does Glenn Schumann do to put these guys in position to be, uh, I think, aggressive, disruptive playmakers? Because I don't necessarily think that they were doing that this past season. Part of that could have been because they maybe just weren't ready to do that. But I do think part of that, too, was because it was a schematic choice. So I gave you my three issues. It's schedule. It's replacing Brock Bowers. It's being better along the defensive line. If I forced you to look at something else, Beyond those things, what would you say is perhaps the biggest unanswered question for Georgia as we kind of fully focus our attention on 2024? I think it's a youth thing. Uh, this is not an old football team, and I think in the age of the transfer portal, this is just sort of the way it's going to be going forward. Uh, there are going to be, I believe, seven fourth-year guys that have been in this program for four years Uh on this team next year. I think if you include Xavier Trust, Warren Brinson, and Nasdaq, I have to put you up to 10. But on a roster of 85 players, to only have that many guys that are you know in that program for that long that don't have that institutional knowledge, that is a little concerning. You, you think back to that 2021 team, so many of those contributors, those guys that were drafted, had been in this program for three, four seasons. And because of the transfer portal and the fact that it just sort of Rob's guys who had been in the program for two, three years, you're relying a lot more on guys who are only in the program for one or two years. And so, you know, yes, there are going to be difficulties that come with navigating a 16-game schedule potentially and having to win in a new-look SEC there. But the guys that have been in the program for a long time, the guys that have played a ton of SEC games, those are more and more of a rare breed at a program like Georgia. And I do wonder if that starts to work against them at a certain point. Uh, you know, with the transfer portal doing what it does to Georgia and doing what it does to programs like Alabama, Ohio State, et cetera, uh, you know, I do wonder if in certain years you just don't have the right combination of veterans because a lot of those guys end up leaving and moving on and going playing elsewhere. And so I'll be interested in seeing, and next year in particular, as it is a new year, a more difficult year, with Georgia skewing younger just because of the way college football is right now, I'll be interested in seeing how this group handles things over the course of the season. Okay, along those lines, let me ask you someone an abstract question. You know, in 2021, we saw what I thought was a great Georgia team in a fight for its life to win the national championship that year against an Alabama team that had Will Anderson and Bryce Young and guys like that. In 2022, there really wasn't much of anything like that. Ohio State was a close game, but for the most part, Georgia played 13 of its 15 games in somewhat laughable fashion that there really wasn't really very you know much of anyone playing at the same level that Georgia was this year's national champion Michigan I don't put that in the category of all-time great team my point that I'm getting to is do you think that the level of play of the typical national champion is now going down a bit in that you know if Georgia's a little younger and so therefore maybe not quite as good as it was at its best in like say 2021 is that okay because 
you know, the last couple of years of kind of only one team playing elite level in 2022 and maybe nobody playing at a truly elite level in 2023. Therefore, the level of play required to win a national championship is a little bit low compared to the historic highs that were required, like, say, 2018, 2019, 2020, maybe? Uh, I do. I think that's a direct impact of the transfer portal. And not so much taking, you know, top-end starters and distributing them to lesser programs, but just making it harder to field really deep football teams and teams that have, you know, guys that have been, you know, like this Michigan team, they had a lot of guys that were with that program for three, four years. I think moving forward, that's just going to be a lot harder to sort of keep and maintain. You might have a one-off team. Maybe Ohio State is that team next year because they had a lot of guys announced that they're coming back. But for the most part, with the way the transfer portal works, if you're an elite program, look, eventually you're going to start recruiting at an elite level, and those kids are going to want to go play elsewhere. And so I do think that this truly elite team, you know, it's going to be harder, and a lot of things are going to need to go right. You're going to need to hit on recruits, and you're going to need them to be able to play really well early. Obviously, Georgia does that. I think they were 10th this year in the country, and snaps played by true freshmen. But, you know, we're not going to see a 2019 LSU anymore. We're not going to see a 2020 Alabama team anymore. Uh, these truly dominant teams moving forward that we used to think of, I would include the 2022 team in there and then the 2021 defense as well. Uh, that's going to be harder to come by. And, yes, Georgia lost in the SEC championship game this last year, but I think for the most part they were probably the best team in college football this year on a week-in, week-out basis. And I don't think anybody thinks that that team was beating either the 2022 or the 2021 team. So I think that's maybe where college football is going. Now, I will say, you know, if there were a 12-team playoff this year, even with that loss to Alabama, I think you still feel pretty confident that Georgia gets in and is able to make a deep run to at least the semifinals and maybe even the championship game there. So Georgia's still going to be prepared well to handle that because of the way that they build their program. But it's not going to look like it did in 2021 and 2022 if Georgia were to win a national championship. You're going to see more one-loss, sometimes even two-loss teams, I think, potentially winning national championships. All right, last thing for you. And I was telling this to John Stinchcomb yesterday that there's always something new on the horizon, so we don't have much of a chance to look back, even when the thing we're looking back on is certainly worthy. And a 29-game winning streak that Georgia has just uh, you know, enjoyed is – is that we're all disappointed those of us who are Georgia fans they didn't beat Alabama and make it 30 straight and go on to win another national championship but Connor as you know 29 games longest winning streak in SEC history two national championships included over the course of that span that really is truly special I don't know that we'll ever properly get the chance to chronicle it as it is deserving of being done so but we're going to try to do that a little bit here you know this week while I'm pre-recording some shows so if I were to sort of ask you off the cuff and kind of you know uh, off the top of your head what do you think the single most memorable moment from that 29-game winning streak was? What would you say that it was? Uh, it, it, it's the Keely Ringo interception. Uh, it, it's that second It's that second win, ironically. Uh, the fact that it comes against Alabama, the team that beat them before the winning streak started, and the team that ended the winning streak, I think getting that win was massive. It was the one time that Kirby Smart beat Nick Saban in his time in Alabama. And, and you know, maybe we're recording this uh, – you know, a few days after the anniversary of that Keely Ringo interception and that magical night. But I think to anyone that had been a longtime Georgia football fan, supporter, observer, watcher, anyone that has Georgia football people in their life, uh, that moment and that game and the hours after it, I think you just finally get to celebrate, to finally get to breathe and, and 
relish the national championship, along with the fact that it came against Alabama. I think is in my mind, it's the most it's the most important play in Georgia football history. It's I, I think what will go down as the most celebrated moment of Kirby Smart's tenure. And yes, I do believe Kirby Smart's going to continue to win national championships. But I think maybe part of the reason that the the twenty nine game win streak isn't going to be celebrated maybe the same manner that perhaps it should be, given it as you point out, it is the SEC's longest winning streak. Uh the best game, the biggest game, the most important game happened in that second game of that 29-game win streak. And so, you know, maybe if they had beaten Bama and gotten it to 30, maybe we view that a little bit differently. But I think that second win, the win over Alabama in the national championship game, because of what it meant, because of all it took to get there, uh, I think that's why it is the most memorable moment of that 29-game win streak in my mind. I think it's a great point, an extraordinary uh, point of view there on that, Connor. Appreciate you joining us for this special week for us, and uh, certainly we'll look forward to reading all of your content there at dognation.com and catch up back with you again live uh, next week as well here on Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG. We'll look forward to talking to you then. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff. Connor Riley in his normal Tuesday spot. We're always thankful for that. And something else I'm thankful for is the chance to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, as I speak to you on a Tuesday, in real time, I'm actually get on, getting on board Icon of the Seas today. Yesterday, kind of traveling to the port to be ready to be on the ship. And now, actually uh, on the ship, getting ready to set sail. Can't wait to come back and tell all of you about that. I really do think it's a great vacation experience for you here in 2024, whether it be a chance to be on board Icon or Utopia of the Seas debuting in July. And hopefully, we've already heard from some of you here recently, getting excited about that Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. Hundreds of you have already signed up. Jessica Slater, great travel agent. Here's something you should know. Royal Caribbean believes that a great Royal Caribbean cruise vacation is made even better when you use a terrific travel agent to help you plan it. Now, the good news is that doesn't cost you anything. The travel agent's paid by Royal Caribbean. They just want to help you make the best decisions about, you know, the right choice, the right ship, the right itinerary, all of that. That is what the travel agent is for for you. So when it comes to our Dog Nation cruise, Jessica Slater specially selected. RoyalDogs.com is a website that she's put together that will teach you everything you need to know about our Dog Nation cruise, why it's going to be bigger and better than any we've ever done in the past. That is all true. So please Make sure you uh, check all of that out today and can't wait to see you in April on board Allure of the Seas for the Dog Nation Cruise. What a time that is going to be. All right, so in a moment, we'll get back to Kaylee's Corner here today, uh, doing a little bit of a different type of show close here this week, giving her a chance to turn the tables on me. We'll have some fun with that here coming up in just a little bit. I also want to continue during our SEC through a little something that I have been doing, you know, we're in kind of way too early top 25 season here right now. So with that in mind, how about a way too early preview for some of these SEC teams? Eventually, we're going to dive into this a little deeper. For right now, though, it's kind of like from the shooting from the hip, a little bit of a knee-jerk type of look at these SEC teams, sort of a thought on my mind about each of them. I'm turning next to the Florida Gators. And there is a chance. Now, Georgia's playing a much tougher schedule this year than it's previously played. Most of the teams in the SEC and the Big Ten, for the most part, kind of are. You can make a case, though, and I don't say this lightly, that Florida may be playing the toughest schedule ever because not only are they playing kind of the full width of an SEC schedule and in some cases made tougher by the fact they are forced to keep playing Georgia, 
but they also, you know, take on, a, you know, more SEC West teams. Just the schedule for Florida is already SEC tough. But in addition to this, many of you are aware, Florida next year is also playing every Power 5 team in its own state. That means Florida State to conclude the year like they always do. Occasionally, they sort of cycle on to playing Miami right now. That's set to happen again in 2024. They're also playing Big 12 foe UCF. Look, the odds against Billy Napier surviving all this are huge. I mean, the odds are, I would say, that Billy Napier probably gets fired during the season. I don't believe he's a coach equal to the task of this job. A guy like DJ Lagway, a quarterback, perhaps gives him some you know cover there some chance to say we're building something but you've got to prove it with wins on the field and that's something that Billy Napier has had a hard time of doing even against an easier schedule does not get any easier for him against a tougher competition but that's what's on the way so if you're a fan who likes to watch Florida you lose you may have a lot to love by 2024 because there are a lot of losses I would say perhaps on the way One of the teams that has kind of seemingly beaten Florida with regularity lately has been the Kentucky Wildcats. It is a new era for Kentucky. First of all, to the Wildcats' credit, they hold on to Mark Stoops as head coach. It seemed like Stoops might be on his way out. I believe he wanted a different job. Ultimately, didn't really get it. Looks like a fan revolt of some sort probably kept him from getting the Texas A&M job. So he's staying in Lexington. And lo and behold, some uh, NIL money appears to be spent because a couple handful of really good transfers have moved on to Kentucky, some of those coming from Georgia. Jamon Dumas-Johnson you know about. But for now, perhaps more interestingly, it's Brock Vandergriff at quarterback. Now, here's the thing I think about Vandergriff. I believe that Vandergriff is a very capable quarterback. I think football is the kind of sport where you can only have 11 guys on the field at any one time. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, you can only play one quarterback. That means if you've got multiple good quarterbacks in this day and age, some of those guys are going to get a little restless and they're going to look around. They're going to try to find their opportunity somewhere else. We believe that Georgia is still in good hands when it comes to its backup quarterbacks. We think that Gunnar Stockton, for instance, can be very good. But Vandergriff wouldn't have left Georgia if he didn't think he was ready. And Kentucky wouldn't have taken Vandergriff's transfer if they didn't think he was ready. So the odds are Vandergriff is going to be a good quarterback. He may be among the better quarterbacks that Georgia faces, in fact next season and he at least keeps Kentucky I would say in the relevant part of the SEC conversation no sugarcoating in here Kentucky's job in terms of even remaining competitive in this league is made tougher because of the fact that the league is just getting deeper but on paper this is as good a quarterback as Kentucky's had probably at least since Will Levis and I don't quite know that Vandergriff can't have a better season than certainly Levis had in 2022 so early season game for Georgia Vandergriff at Kentucky is probably a pretty big deal and I do expect Vandergriff to probably have a, a a pretty good year for the Wildcats it doesn't make Georgia look any worse if he goes and has success there I assume that he probably will the question if you're a Georgia fan you ask yourself is what did Georgia hold on to a quarterback when Vandergriff chose to leave and by Carson Beck coming back by Ryan Puglisi coming in by Gunnar Stockton ready to step up we think that Georgia's current and near-term future when it comes to the quarterback position is still pretty solid. One more way-too-early SEC preview team to give you here for a moment. Let's talk about the LSU Tigers. And let's specifically talk about what LSU has done with defensive coaching hires. Big Bucks, Blake Baker comes in as defensive coordinator, now the highest paid in the sport on that side of the ball. Bo Davis, high-profile move 
as a defensive line coach from Texas to LSU. This is an LSU team that pretty clearly wants to be better on that side of the ball. It's a very important thing, very big deal. And I think one of the best ways you can measure this beyond just the actual stats they put up, how many points do they allow, you know, how many you know, yards do they surrender. Let's keep our eye on Harold Perkins here. After the, after the 2022 season, Perkins seemed like a rising star. In 2023, we heard all these rumblings in spring practice, things like that, of they're using him an inside linebacker and they're doing this, they're doing that. And ultimately, it seems like through coaches' decisions – Perkins was really diminished as a player. Well, we saw Arkansas game in particular of his freshman season of 2022, how good he can be, unlocking him and getting a big year coming off the edge for Perkins. One of the most important tasks for this new LSU coaching staff, or at least new look defensive coaching staff. We'll be watching that closely. Big challenge awaits this LSU defense, spending big on coaches on that side of the ball to hopefully bring about the necessary change. Interesting new horizon there in Baton Rouge. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia Today, it went so well yesterday, we decided to bring it back again for day two. The return of Kaylee's Corner here, on Dog Nation Daily here today. So, Kaylee, for the folks who missed this yesterday, you're obviously one of our favorites around Dog Nation. I enjoy being on your shows, and now we have a chance to enjoy you being on our show here and also to turn the tables a little bit. Normally, I'm the one around here that asks the questions, but for now, we're going to give you a chance to ask me questions, and we're going to let you ask me anything you want. So, from that standpoint, Kaylee, whether it be football or about something else, the floor is yours for another edition of Kaylee's Corner here today. So first, let me make my opening statement. I'm excited to be back for day two, but Brandon, you know me. It is so hard to know that I'm going to be wearing the same sweater all week. Like, it, it hurts me that on is the true. inside. Yeah, because you've <laughs> told me before. People don't realize this. You've told me before that you don't wear – now, this is not really TV, but you say you don't wear the same outfit on TV more than once, which is amazing because I only own, like, six or seven outfits as it is. So uh, from that standpoint, uh, the fact that you're able to be, you know, that – I guess, uh, prodigious in the number of outfits you have is pretty impressive. But because of the nature of the pre-record, same thing for me each and every day. And I guess you're sort of stuck wearing the same thing. I'm actually somewhat impressed that you didn't bring like five wardrobe changes. I'm guessing you're probably kicking yourself that you didn't. But you know what? It's all for a good cause. Well, if you still have that Kirby Kai double XL t-shirt at the office, I'll come snag it for tomorrow's show. But I've got two questions for you today. One's a little bit of football. One's a little bit of fun. All right. UGA returns guys like Carson Beck, Malachi Starks, Tate Rattledge, the big names that everybody know and love. But who is your under-the-radar guy to look out for this year? Can I give you two? And if I can, I'm going to give you both the defensive linemen. Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brentson, their decision to come back, I just think is huge for Georgia. We talked about this yesterday that, for me, one of the big unanswered questions for UGA is can they kind of get back on track from a defensive line standpoint be a little bit more a little bit more dynamic well when you look at like say 2021 when guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt came back that really propelled what Georgia became as a defensive line that year I don't quite know that Brinson and Stackhouse coming back is that level of return for Georgia but it's not nothing either these are good players these are the kinds of talents you can't easily go out and get from the transfer portal. So if you'll allow me to give you two names for the answer, that's what I'll give you. I think Brinson and Stackhouse coming back for these dogs is just a really big deal. 
Well, now that we're in the off season, you're on a cruise, you're going to come back with your summer tan. One of my favorite things about summer is seven on seven football. So I want you to take a look at UGA coaches past and present. If you had to make a seven on seven team with the UGA coaches, who would your seven be? Okay. So I guess your quarterback, there's got to be Bobo, right? Uh, you probably do that. Um, Brian McClendon's a guy that you could probably play in a number of positions. McClendon of the nine quarterbacks is probably my first draft pick, I'm guessing. Is he the best athlete of any of the Georgia coaches right now? Um, I th- in the present day, I would probably say yes. Yeah, but you're just giving me the entire coaching staff of all time. Past and present. Boy, that's interesting. Um, I mean – Boy, that gets to be pretty interesting. Who are some obvious names that you think that I'm leading? I mean, I'm sure that Chidera Uzo Deribe is a good athlete. You could probably play him in a number of different positions. Who do you think some good guys are that I'm probably leaving out here? I mean, what, a, what about a guy like Kirby? I feel like Kirby was probably talented enough to play on both sides of the ball. And, you know, I've seen him run up and down that sideline. He's still got some pep in that stuff. Yeah, he does. I think that Kirby low key is still in really good shape, too. And I think that you got to give him a, a lot of credit for that. I, I know that. It's hard, right? I mean, it's like I'm a little bit of a stress eater. I'm a little bit of a you know guy that has a tendency to sort of eat my feelings every now and then. So the fact that Kirby, I think, stays in pretty good shape. I mean, listen, some of these coaches kind of balloon up a little bit, and that's not really the vibe that I'm getting from Kirby. So not only would he hold his own in a situation like this, I think to this day, Kirby, I mean, how many SEC coaches are in better physical condition than Kirby Smart is? I don't think it's a long list necessarily. I don't think so either. It's not an easy thing, right? You know, I'm you know I'm talking about Kaylee to to be, to have that job to stay in pretty good shape. I mean, you know, uh, that not, not an easy thing to do, but somehow, some way, it seems like he's either he's either finding a way to push away from the table or he's finding his way into the weight room. One of the one of the two. Kirby seems to do okay with that. I think another present guy too could be someone like Scott Cochran. I don't know if you've seen videos of him like yelling at his players in the yeah. weight room. I think he would just be that intimidation factor that could take that seven on team from good to great. I could see that. That's not a bad idea. Uh, fun stuff, Kaylee. We're happy to have you here as part of Kaylee's Corner. In fact, we will come back and do that again tomorrow there as well. A special feature for some vacation shows for us here on Dog Nation Daily this week. And as Kaylee mentioned, I'm enjoying a little time here on board Icon of the Seas. And uh, Kaylee loves Royal Caribbean cruises there as well. So we're all keeping a happy thought about all kinds of opportunities to get get a little tan here in 2024. Love the winter tan. Love when you can get the tan going during the winter. Because if you can get it going January, February, you have a pretty good chance of keeping it going all year long. Which when it comes to my fat, pasty face, as much tan as I can possibly get, it's probably a very good thing. Here is what else is a very good thing. The fact that Georgia shows complete, utter, total dominance over the lousy, stinking Gators. For a long time around here, we've said a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. And that remains just as true today as it was the first time that we said it. In fact, how about 1,172 days? That's how long it's been since those lousy, stinking Gators have beaten Georgia. That's our Gator hater updater. Y'all have a great day. We will see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.